This is the Wednesday, March 31st edition of the Daily Wager podcast. We're looking back at last night's exciting Elite Eight action, talking a little NBA, and opening day is tomorrow, so we're talking some baseball futures, jam-packed show, and like always, we'll get you in and out in under 10 minutes with everything you need to know. Welcome to the Daily Wager podcast presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. I am Doug Kazarian. Joined now by Joe Fortenball. And before we get into today's action, Joe, I believe Andy Enfield is no longer undefeated against the spread in the NCAA tournament. He is not, but a tremendous run for USC. This Gonzaga freight train, Doug, has been something else. They smother you. One thing I'm going to be looking at moving forward through the next two rounds, assuming they advance in the final four, first to 10 and first to 20 bets. The way they have jumped out on top of their opposition is nothing short of spectacular when you're watching that offense. It's been really impressive. And usually I am all for just laying the lumber and kind of not mocking people, but trying to get too cute. Like, oh, let's let's take the points and fade this team. But it's just been trucking teams. I did like USC. Um, they just didn't show up. Now, granted, they played Gonzaga, which is maybe one of the best team, maybe one the best team ever. But um Great job by the Zags. They are so dominant offensively. And they get the other L.A. school next because UCLA pulls off the upset in a game that featured a total of 100 points, and it was wild. The last two minutes, I will say, uh, pretty disappointing from both teams, just the execution and the kind of like the offensive sets they ran. But that's college hoops, and that's uh, their kids, but really just incredible performance yet again by the Bruins. When you say last two minutes, I'm assuming you're referring to the last two game minutes because the last two minutes yes. of that game ended up taking about an hour and a half <laughs> with the TV timeouts, the, the, the coaching timeouts. I must have been watching that for 45 minutes. The last 10 seconds took forever. Yeah, a lot of reviews in there as well. But <laughs> uh, what can you say? Johnny Juzang, who went to my high school, by the way. Yeah, shout out. Yeah. Um, impressive. And, you know, it's funny. We were so close to having three one seeds and a two seed in the final four in a tournament that's featured kind of record number of upsets. Um, in terms of seeds and in the Sweet 16 and Lead 8, but the Bruins do join the party. So this uh, Blue Blood program uh, over the years, so many national championships, they are the underdog uh, and double-digit dogs to Gonzaga. So we'll talk more about this weekend's Elite 8 matchups. Well, let's go to the NBA now. Uh, busy card on this Wednesday. Uh, I'll let you t- start us off first. First game that jumps off the page to me is the Miami Heat laying one and a half points at the Indiana Pacers. I think Miami's a bit undervalued in this spot because we've seen them lose quite a bit in recent weeks. They had lost six straight games, a season-high losing streak, prior to Monday's win over the New York Knicks. So I think at minus one and a half, it's a bit cheap. Also, we could have the debut of Victor Oladipo tonight. Now, Oladipo didn't play against the Knicks. He was battling a cold, so we'll see if he goes tonight. If he does, very interested in the narrative here. Oladipo was with the Pacers. He asked to be traded. Miami was his preferred destination. And instead, he got sent to Houston. Now, through the Harden trade, uh, that's where he was originally. He ends up going to Miami right at the trade deadline. So he's with his preferred team. He's going to make his debut tonight. A little bit of animosity towards the Pacers. Plus, you want to look good with your new employer. Really like the Miami Heat here, minus one and a half. Now, sometimes we've seen it sort of work the other way. The team he leaves behind, the team that he didn't want. They rally. Any uh, sort of uh, revenge spot for the Pacers here? I think you absolutely have to consider 
consider that. The Pacers have been very iffy this season. In fact, they just got together with Miami about 10 days ago. They needed overtime to get past this Heat squad who was completely depleted and shot 9 of 37 from deep for just 24%. I think a little regression's coming. I would expect to see Indiana break from the gates well. They're a really solid first quarter, first half team over the last week or two since Karis LeVert got healthy and has been able to join them. But ultimately, I don't think it's going to be enough against Miami's defense. Yeah, LeVert's been a nice uh, addition, obviously, but this is still a team that lost to the the Wizards without Bradley Beal. So it's been a kind of a team I just couldn't put my finger on all year why they're underperforming, but they are. So interesting play there. I, I like game two of our ESPN doubleheader, and it's the Bucs, uh, minus eight and a half. There are a couple nines popping up right now, and it's pretty obvious. Lakers are not good without Anthony Davis and LeBron James. They've notched a couple wins, but they've played an Orlando team that's obviously much different than the one prior to the trade deadline and also the Cavs. And both those games were at home, but they lose the Sixers. They uh, lose the Pelicans. They lose to the Suns. They lost to the Hawks after losing LeBron in the second quarter. So it's a very kind of predictable team. They don't score much against anyone. They've gone under um, except for the Pelicans game, but they just they have trouble. Now they're adding Drummond, but I don't think he's going to be a huge difference maker. I think the Bucks off a loss to the Clippers that really stung them. No travel. They're still at Staples. I think the Bucks just smack them. So uh, eight and a half feels pretty cheap. Bucks off back-to-back losses. Um, I, I really like Milwaukee in this one, at least for a live wager, maybe playback plus 11 and a half, something like that, just because you get into that sort of garbage garbage zone of eight and a half that the scrubs are in at the end. But I don't think the Clip, uh, Lakers are going to be competitive much at all, unless they just hit every shot and Schroeder goes off and I guess Drummond goes off. I, I just I don't see it here. So – uh, I really like the Bucs. I, I still believe in them in these types of games that they have just too much firepower for a Lakers team that's been going kind of team total unders left and right. Uh, you have another game for us. What do you got? Uh, to follow up on what you were just saying, I'd look to the Bucs in the first half as well. They're the highest scoring first half team in the association. Coming off that loss and playing a lethargic Lakers team, I think they're going to jump all over them. Another game for me would be the Spurs and the Kings under 231 points. Now get this. They played each other on Monday. The total closed at 230 and 247 points were scored. So you might be wondering why I want to come back tonight and bet the under. Well, in that game on Monday, Sacramento shot the lights out. 18 of 36 from deep. That's 50%. It was a season high. San Antonio shot 51% from the field. Seventh best shooting performance in 44 games. So I think there's some regression coming. Plus, Doug, I know you and I have been talking about this all year. I looked this up. This is the seventh time this season San Antonio is going to play the same team two games in a row. In the previous six instances in which this has happened, playing the same team two games in a row, in game one, the total point scored average is 228. In game two, the total point average is 202. It drops 26 points. In fact, in those six matchups, game one featured more points than game two in all of them except one, the Golden State Warrior matchup, where game one featured 205 points and game two featured exactly 205 points as well. The Spurs make adjustments, especially on defense, under Spurs Kings 231 points. Interesting. That's a very uh, notable trend. That's not three games. It's six games. So that is that is something that uh, resonates still. Uh, for me, this is um, a little different, I guess. We don't we don't see it very often. I'm going to do a money line parlay. I, I, first yes. of all, let's, let's start with this Blazers team. I really like them. I think they could end up with the four seed, given the Lakers' injuries. Now, Denver's in the mix, obviously, with the addition of Aaron Gordon. But this Blazers team, 
without Nurkic and McCollum, it was just struggling at times for to get point to get buckets. Dame would would kind of hog the ball a little bit, but they get both those guys back. They also get Norman Powell in the trade, who can create his own buckets. And that's a really nice team right now. And I just don't want to lay seven and a half against a feisty and frisky Detroit team. So I'm going to put the Blazers in a money line parlay. And Toronto has obviously been pretty bad lately, but they're against Oklahoma City. And the Thunder just, you know, hodgepodge, some G League players. It's just, look, Toronto's lost whatever it is, five of six. They've been shaky. But I, I think they get the win here. Um so I'm going to throw them a little cautiously in a money line parlay. You're looking at like minus 120 or so. I looked at it overnight. So something in that range. Um, maybe there'll be some more uh, kind of second plays that pop up. But I, I like taking care of uh, both road favorites. Don't want to lay the points around seven, half or eight. But uh, I'll do a money line parlay. That's sort of an even play. So that's that's that. Attaboy. Rounding out the uh, buffet here. I like it. The old money line parlay. For the people. It's a good call, especially with Portland going up against a Detroit team that has been suspect throughout the majority of the season. Yeah, no, look, I love the Blazers. I think they're uh I think they're gonna we're gonna see a really strong run from Portland era. I think they're eyeing the four seed. Uh maybe even catch the sun. We'll see. I, I just I like this Blazers team. I do. And we got you got a baseball play. We got opening day tomorrow. Opening day, so let's give the people some futures. There's a lot out there. Daily wager yesterday. You gave out the Baltimore Orioles. Under for the season win total. I love it. I like the Minnesota Twins over on their season win total as well. MVP National League Dodgers shortstop Corey Seager at 13 to 1. The dude's entering his prime, soon to be 27 years old, but this is a contract year, Doug. He's going to watch Francisco Lindor get over $325 million in the very near future. I think Seager is going to have a monster season. He's already had a huge spring, seven home runs and just 48 at bats. He's coming off a shortened season last year where he hit 307 with a 943 OPS. And the key to playing with the Dodgers, number one, you're always in the headlines. People are going to be well aware of what you're doing. And number two, that lineup is so stacked. It's not like you can pitch around Seager. So a 13-1 in a contract year while this dude's entering his prime and he's fresh off a World Series MVP, I like him to win the National League MVP. I can see that. Um, you're right. Like Dodge, So um, last summer before the season started – Buster Pol- uh, Buster only was on the podcast with me and said that one Dodgers uh, executive told him that he's that Seager's going to win the MVP. Now he did not, but they were just so optimistic in how he looked. Um, obviously, won the World Series MVP this year. He's tied for the lead in home runs in the spring training, so he's uh, he's great. He's great. He's great defensively too. So as a Dodger fan, we we love yep. Corey Seager, and obviously they could uh, they're going to be in the mix for the title. Um, I like a lot of props. Uh, go check out our uh, communal. The chalk picks page, ESPN.com's chalk section. We have a lot of picks there, but probably my favorite one is Whit Merrifield of the Kansas City Royals, 60 to 1 to lead the majors in runs scored. Now, first of all, this offense should be much better. They added Carlos Santana, um, so that will help the production for the guys at the top of the lineup. But look, if you look at just compare his odds to other guys in the neighborhood. So he, in terms of leading the majors in hits, he's the second betting favorite, tied for the second. He's the fourth favorite for stolen bases. So other guys who are in that sort of elk, like same sort of odds for both those categories is like a guy like Washington's Trey Turner. And um, he's 18 to one for runs scored. So 60 to one for runs scored for Merrifield just makes a lot of sense. It's a uh, weight. It should be like in the 20, 25 to one sort of range. So I really like 60 to one, probably my favorite of all those plays. So that's going to do it for this edition of the daily wager podcast. Of course, we appreciate everyone 
uh, tuning in. So just make sure you uh, rate, review, subscribe if you're enjoying the show, and we'll get you in and out as promised. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow. 